Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We're back here. It is the end of January. How? I don't know. It's going so fast, 2024 already. And we've got to open with a really funny podcaster moment. I would call it an RFPM. So there is a very popular documentary on Netflix right now. It's called American Nightmare. And highly, highly recommend you oh, all yes. to tune in and take a little watch. I don't want to give anything away, but it is definitely eerie. It's been all over TikTok. And I saw the messages all over TikTok and thought, wow, this must be fun. I don't really know what it's about, but a lot of the time, the spookiest documentaries are that type where you just start hearing word of mouth about it and you start hearing about it on TikTok. The girlies are verklempt. And this is exactly what happened. So I was like, I'm tuning in. Gotta see it. Gotta see it. And it starts outlining the story of a girl by the name of Denise Huskins And it goes through how she may or may not have been kidnapped. And I'm like, man, there is something so familiar about this name, Denise Huskins. Why is it ringing such a bell? It's really getting me. Not an hour less (laughs) into the show and into the first full episode did I realize, hold up, September 9th, 2020, episode 25, We did an episode of Betsy Boss of Denise Huskins and her kidnapping. So highly recommend if you want to tune in to that episode, Betsy Boss, you heard it here first, literally. Way back in 2020. Yeah, we were ahead by... A couple years here. Three and a half years, something like that. Yeah. And now it's this big sensation. It's on TV. It's on Netflix. It's not some rinky-dink operation. And we said it first. We told y'all about it first. So we are always going to keep you in the know. We're always going to get out ahead of these stories. So that is really funny and exciting. And again, that is episode 25. It was posted on September 9th, 2020. We were balls deep in the pandemic at that point. Oh my God, that's crazy. We were living a different life back then, I'll tell you. I I would say too, I was looking into this a little bit after watching the docuseries And I want to say it probably is worth, honestly, going back and listening to our episode because there was stuff that was left out of the documentary. And after I forget what the one example was, but it was like it made it even more obvious that something was probably going on and she was legitimately kidnapped. And so I I don't know. It was interesting that they left it out. But I, I would say, you know, personal plug, but also I would say it's worth going back and listening to good old episode 25. Wow. Way back at the beginning. Yeah. Years and years ago. And this is around when we first started. So just about six months in, I guess. Yeah. So that is really kind of fun to listen to. And it was a really good episode. I did go back and listen. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, there were just details that we actually captured that were not in the documentary. So it was kind of funny to hear those again. Yep, yep. So Betsy Boss on top of it. Betsy Boss is on top of it. And another thing that I think is likely to become a movie or some kind of Netflix special or something because it's just so creepy. And I, I don't know if you've heard about this yet. It is the story of a lovely young couple. They buy a brand new house in Colorado And they're really excited, but they do know that the 
old owners of the house actually left a lot of equipment, a lot of materials on the premises. Which sometimes, I mean, can be a good thing if you can find something worth selling or salvaging or whatever. Totally. And this couple was really cool. They actually welcomed their friends and neighbors onto the premises to just haul stuff away. If you can carry it, you can take it. And people showed up, a ton of different people from the neighborhood, friends, neighbors, whatever, and all came and started clearing things out. So one of the neighbors starts unloading a giant... I think it was like an like um, industrial uh, freezer, refrigerator, refrigerator yeah, freezer. type of, yeah. And really like one of these giant I ones think it's like they... one of those deep freezes maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like the ones that go on the floor. I'm not, or on the ground. Like, Ooh. I'm not sure. And probably pretty darn huge. Yeah. Like, you could, you know, almost restaurant like size or restaurant right. strength or something. And they were like, huh, the only crappy thing about this really cool freezer is that it's full of meat. So they start to unload the meat from the freezer and they find a human head and human hands. Like, what? Unbelievable. So it was a bunch of human meat. It was obviously a possible homicide here in good old Grand Junction, Colorado. And just horrifying. Can you imagine you move into this brand new house you're so excited to start your new life in this house you do a good deed you invite the neighbors over take whatever you can hold and bingo here comes a human head i well you sent me the one tiktok too and i think it was the actual homeowner telling the story i think it might have been yeah and the way she describes it though she's like telling what you just said about having people over and the, the person shows up at the door, I think, asking to, like, wash their hands or something. Oh, that's right. Because they had blood on it. And then, she, and then like, she asks, and they're like, yeah, we just found a human head and hands. But, like, the way that she tells the story is so, like, nonchalant for, like, what actually happened. Ugh. I'm just like, maybe you're in shock or something because that just, like, last thing you expect. And then, like, what do you do? Like, yeah, what do you even and, do? And, and then you just bought this house. You're not going to be able to sell it. I'd be worried what else is there. What, I don't know, just the bad energy there. Yeah, like, what else happened in that house oh, or around it and who was in there yeah. hiding out? I'd be researching the hell out of all the old owners. Absolutely. There's just no way that you can go on like living in this creepy haunted environment. But that's scary as Isn't anything. that horrible? Has oh. anything else come out about anything? I don't <laughs> about, even know. Yeah, that I was, don't think I saw anything else. Yeah, that was the first I had heard about it. And it just gave me such the creeps. Because what the heck? And obviously, they're going through all the testing protocol right now of the human body parts right. that they found. And they do apparently take a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. So the public is just like chomping at the bit, pardon God. the expression, to try and get information about who was the dead body who could have possibly killed them but of course you know there are concerns about being able to positively identify the victim but also staying respectful of their family and them god because what a way to die and to be found yeah i god that's just so many questions i i just i can't even imagine it is really scary so hopefully we'll get more answers and we'll obviously report back but we just could not go on without reporting 
that story. Yeah, yeah. It's been a creepy start to the new year. I don't know if you've heard about this one, too. These three guys that were found dead after watching a, a Chiefs game with their friends. No. So, and, and there's weird, creepy details to it. So apparently, these friends were three friends. I don't remember if they're fiancés and whatnot. Were, I don't think they were with them. I think it was just these three guys were at their other friend's house. And there was a big snowstorm, everything. These three guys didn't come home the next day. Ugh. They didn't come home the following day. Oh, my God. And, you know, the girlfriend fiancés whatever were calling the homeowner and he didn't pick up wasn't picking up nothing so one of the again girlfriends fiancés goes over and their cars are still in his driveway the three guys their cars oh boy so she getting no answer she goes around and breaks into the basement and starts yelling for you know yelling so-and-so's name or whatever what ended up happening was the three men were found frozen to death outside <gasps> in the backyard. No. And the homeowner, the one friend, was there, still at the house. No. And did they know? So he claimed that he did not, that he was just like sleeping or something for those days and just, you know, never saw the calls or something like that. And that because there was a snowstorm too, that he just never went outside. So he didn't know that they were out there. Okay. Likely and then, story. like within the week, of this all being discovered so he was renting the house within like the week he moved out of the house got a u-haul and moved out of there and so there's a lot of speculation i think probably if the homeowner is telling the truth they were all probably doing drugs yeah and the homeowner probably was in a drug-induced sleep for like two days and then the other guys got confused and i don't know like just froze outside sadly um but apparently the guy is some type of scientist, too. So the other homeowner? people, yeah, the homeowner. So other people are throwing out ideas like, oh, well, maybe he was like experimenting on them or something. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So it's but it's just such a bizarre story. That is so weird. Yeah. Also, like what other explanation could there be? Because any other people, if they weren't in a drug induced stupor, would run and find cover right and find well and they the had their cars right there like even if they were drunk they could at least they get in, in their, their car and turn, and turn it on. on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but all three of those friends just like in the backyard and the backyard was fenced in so anybody driving by wouldn't have seen them oh, but like their cars were out there like Ooh. I, I it's just it's super super creepy to me tough day to be a chiefs fan yeah god yep Well, I think that's more than enough liberty for us. We have a listener-suggested episode today for you, and we want to give a shout-out to one of our longest, most dedicated listeners. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Dave Schwartz in Maryland. Thank you so much for your listenership and for your amazing suggestions. Dave actually also suggested the very delightful Donner Party story and I think it went over great and it's also not dissimilar from our scary story about finding body parts in Colorado but we had to do this one because not only is it suggested by one of our favorite listeners it's also a really interesting story and it's also very different from what we've been doing lately obviously we're just getting off of our eight part series about eight passengers getting out of that hideous car with the lizard it's time to kind of do something different so thank you dave again and hopefully you enjoy this episode 
We are always, always looking for recommendations. We love our listener recommendations. We've gotten them before many times, and we always follow up. We always try to do the episodes that y'all suggest, and there have just been so many good ones. And sometimes y'all even mention different research that you have done personally about certain stuff. I oh, know yeah. That was the case with good old John Bonet and yep. those episodes that followed that topic we had a great listener Megan who gave us a lot of information on Jean Benet that she uncovered personally I know Glitter Gypsy is another amazing and wonderful listener who has given suggestions and I hope she's still listening because she was great yeah she was great to interact with and fun to talk with oh yeah had so many great ideas and you just you have to call out these great listeners. And of course, Ollie and Stitch, still a great listener and just great suggestions. And yeah, we have to have to shout y'all out, especially when you get in touch with us and make these great suggestions. So um, again, everybody should feel welcome because we love it to write in and suggest episodes. Yeah, I love looking into new stuff that I haven't heard about before, even some stuff that we've thought about looking into like you give us that push it's on our list and then you know it's like oh yeah let's definitely do it so yeah please send any ideas that you guys have we love it today we are gonna talk about the lion sisters a lot of the information that we're gonna cover today is from the documentary who killed the lion sisters so we're starting out here with the abduction so spoiler alert that's what this story's covering And I will say this is an interesting case um, because it actually, and kind of harkens back to our Delphi case too, is an abduction of two girls by a non-family member. This was something that was kind of mentioned in this documentary. And it's a real anomaly because most, you know, abductions and stuff like that are committed by family members or somebody known to the victim. But then to have two children abducted by non-family members, total strangers, It's one, like very rare, but it's also, I feel like, one of the scariest things. You know, you see, no wonder these cases get as much attention as they do because it's like the thing of nightmares. So we're going back to 1975. This is March 25th. And we have two sisters, Catherine, who's 12, and Sheila, who's 10. And they were just starting out their vacation for spring break that year. They lived in Wheaton, Maryland, which was a D.C. suburb. And on that day, you know, they were looking for stuff to do. And by 11 a.m., they had decided to go to the mall. So they were headed out, walking to the mall. This is Wheaton Plaza. And it was about a half a mile from their house. Now, I want to pause here on the fact that you have a 10 and 12-year-old walking to the mall on their own. I mean... Would never be allowed today. No. Not a thing. Not at all. But But back in those days... I mean, the mom was probably happy, like, get out of the house, go, like, yeah, you're you're all home for this holiday, like, I need a break, go walk anywhere. Nowadays, you can't go in your backyard without parental supervision. Exactly. So, you know, it's just how it was back then. And the mother had told the girls, you know, okay, fine, you're allowed to go, but just be back by 4 p.m. And later that night, you know, it hits 5.45 p.m., and their mom, Mary, is getting angry at this point like this is way past when she told them to be back obviously the furthest thing from her mind is that something happened so she's just kind of angry at this point but then she continues to wait and by 7 p.m she and her husband john call the police 
which I'll say one good on them for being on it so quickly. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, kind of going out. And I mean, it was different back then. So I, I don't blame people for, you know, not knowing any better. Yeah. And thinking like, there's gotta be an innocent explanation. Let's like drive around or whatever. But I think it's good that they called the police right away. And then the police actually just began searching right away, which like never happens back then. So, you know, good on them as well. And they actually were able to talk to a lot of witnesses and put together a a pretty decent timeline of kind of what happened to the girls, where they were seen in the last hours at the mall. So speaking of timelines, we're obviously going to set the stage with a timeline. And it starts at 1 p.m. when a neighbor saw the girls at the mall outside a restaurant talking to, you guessed it, an unidentified man. Now, this just, like, makes you sick. I mean, Ugh. it's giving the bridge guy all yeah, over again. Exactly. I mean, it just is so scary. And these poor little girls are so susceptible. Like, who knows how this guy got them to come over and talk to him and if this was even the guy. Right. But in any event, so by 2 p.m., their brother Jay was also at the mall that day and saw the girls at the same restaurant eating pizza. So still alive, still safe at 2. Shortly after the 2 p.m. sighting, a friend saw the girls walking westward down the street by the mall, appearing to be headed home. Which, oh, it just makes you sick. I know. It's so sad. And, and like, I think it's interesting, too, that they're, like, placed outside in the mall, too. It's It seems like their day was probably done. It's not just, like, they were at the mall and then they were gone. It add something else to it that they were outside of it heading home and then something happened so the police put together a description of unidentified man they thought that he was probably 50 to 60 years old and that he was wearing a brown suit and carrying a briefcase with a tape recorder inside now that's already creepy whoa yeah but also whoa so novel for the time i know yeah That was the hot new technology back then. He also had his um, abacus in there. (laughs) And he was asking children to speak into the microphone, apparently. What a creep. That's just really creepy. I mean, what was he planning on doing with those recordings? I know. And I mean, perfect way to get a kid within arm's reach. Like, come to the microphone I'm holding and then like grab you. So true. And also very like alluring of come check out this hot new technology that I got. Like, and you can try it out and hear your own voice and well and and this is the thing I have to say too like obviously there were these witness statements you know that that they gave their statements after the fact but I feel like if this happened today and you see some creep walking around interviewing only children with like (laughs) a microphone at the mall he'd be reported in an instant oh yeah at least a security guard would be alerted to go up to him and ask him what he's doing not to mention like the helicopter parents would be right sicked on that guy's ass yeah two seconds yeah it's just crazy to think that like this this adult child dynamic was was looked at so differently back then where it was like oh well he's an adult like you know it's it's, safe it's fine like yeah he's innocently just recording kids like (laughs) yeah it's hard to imagine that that was ever normal and okay and that there could be any other explanation put together other than him being a creep and also i'm sorry but just thinking about like hmm wake up today you know what I'm gonna do take my recorder to the mall like yeah get kids to record (laughs) themselves but yeah so in time a sketch of this guy was put together and more and more people started coming forward with different statements 
And these statements included one that said that the guy <laughs> this was is so creepy. This is so creepy and such a bizarre so like weird. scapegoat if that's what he's like trying to do. They said that the man was asking the children to help him record answering machine messages. Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Because I want people to, when they call me, to hear terrified children. Yeah. You've this Mr. Strawbridge. Leave a message unless you're under 18. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, the police never found this man. And there was another sighting from a friend of the girls who described a completely different man with long hair who said that the man was staring at the girls for such a long period of time that the friend actually confronted the man about it. I mean, listen to this. There's creeps left There's and creeps right. There's creeps everywhere. I mean, back then, yeah. like you, they were coming out of the walls. I know. It wasn't any safer back yeah, then. They just was, didn't realize. This was like a den of creeps here. A creep around every corner at the mall. It's so true. The mall is a hotbed yeah. for adult on child <laughs> crime. Oh, so finally, the police make this composite sketch. He's a white male. He's 5'11", 140 pounds. My goal weight, honestly, at this height. Yeah, inches less. He was somewhere, and this doesn't really help, he was somewhere from his late teens to his early 20s. So either we've got a guy from 50 to 60 years old with short hair and a brown suit, or we've got a guy with long hair leering at people who's emaciatedly skinny, who's in his late teens or early 20s. It could be anywhere in between. Yeah, and I mean... It's good they had the sketches because that, I think, definitely helps. But just these descriptions aren't really doing much. No. And the police did what probably you and I would do, too, and focused on the businessman in the suit and didn't pay that much attention to the young male, which I kind of agree with them. Like, if you're leering, like, some people just are leering creeps all the time, but... But this you've got a recording suit. device. Yeah, like. who's recording children for his voicemail message. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, no yeah. thanks. I, I would be zooming in on him too. So one week after the abduction, officers received a call from another witness at the Wheaton Mall named Lloyd Lee Welch. We already don't love the name because yeah. bad association there. Yeah. And we're not talking about the jelly with the Welch. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not the name we have a problem with. So he came forward saying that he had seen the girls being abducted from the mall. So he saw the whole act. Which, what? Yeah. And you didn't stop it? That's what I don't understand. Well, or you didn't report this until a week later? Yeah. Like, what suddenly came over you? Like, what guilt? Right. Gripped you and made you decide, hey, wait a minute, that was kind of weird. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, stuff was different back then, but not that different. No, if you see an abduction, what happened if you see something, say yeah, something? maybe it wasn't invented by then maybe at that point. Not. But he gave some details. He said that they were abducted by a man in a red Camaro and that his description perfectly fit the description of our creepy recording friend he also said that the man walked with a pronounced limp (laughs) great great just in case he couldn't get any weirder yeah like he's limping along with his recording device right and the kids just flocked to him oh my god they love uh recorder uh, robert yeah he's the regular mr rogers of wheaton (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder if he has one of those creepy lady elaine with the worst rosacea ever puppets God. His statement was extremely detailed, which he's probably being stupid and thinking, oh, the more details I give, the more, you know, whatever. This doesn't make me look suspicious. (laughs) 
Which um, is the opposite. It's nope. the classic, like, when people try to give too many details when they lie. And like, the oh, I can't details. go because it's... That, that. I'm sick, and it's my dog's birthday, and yeah. I have to brush my arm. And actually, hair. did you know I was at the mall because I was sick? <laughs> or, I mean, the hospital, not the mall. Oh, whatever. Um... <laughs> actually i had to record uh answering machine messages at the mall that day just don't like the sound of my own voice what can i say <laughs> gotta get a bunch of children yeah Sorry. the sound of kids i'll, I'll get back to you sooner <laughs> because of this extremely detailed you know description of everything the police felt that everything just was off and they actually got him to take a polygraph test and you guessed it <laughs> He passed. No. <laughs> nope. Failure, failure, failure over here. He passed. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. It wasn't him. <laughs> but when he was confronted with these results, he admitted that he had lied to officers. Well, that was easy, wasn't no, it? No, you're kidding. Easiest day those police oh, ever had. Finally telling the truth here. <laughs> but the police really you know, wrote him off as just somebody kind of looking for attention, which which happens does happen all the time. Like people just want to feel important and insert themselves into cases. I don't know why, but they do. Or and I like this. I, I can see this, too. He was possibly trying to get reward money that was offered at the time. So Oof. they were just like, eh, nah, this guy. Nope. We're done with you. Yeah. Over it. So the police continue to search for the girls, and they're just looking all over the place. By the end of May, the National Guard was even brought in to help, but still nothing was found. There were other attempts for extortion, which we don't know, again, what this other guy with his overly detailed statement was trying to (laughs) pull. But there were actual confirmed attempts to extort the police and extort the reward money and... You know, they would call the girl's parents looking for money and nothing ever panned out to be actual information about the whereabouts of the girls. One suspect that the police were looking at, who was actually the main person that they were targeting as a suspect, was a guy named Mol- Ray Molesky. Mol- I know. Yep. Molesky the molester. Uh, Do you think yep. it was on purpose? Not Ray Molesky me, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, like, can you seriously believe this guy? And he was true to form, true to his name. What's in a name? Yeah. Part of a child sex ring. So that's positive. The police could place him within one to two blocks from the lion's home a week or two before the abduction. So that's not good for good old molester. Right? Molesky the molester. Creeping down the block. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And... The police never had enough information to actually arrest the molest <laughs> or details about where the girls might be, what would have happened to them, anything like that. Ray passed in so sad. 2010. What a loss. Community but, really felt the hit. But the case, unfortunately, did go cold for decades. And in spite of this, the police did continue to work on it over the years. But obviously, since it's a cold case, it's kind of not at a rip-roaring speed anymore. And a new team of investigators came in and took a fresh look at the case. And they actually found a piece of information that had been overlooked for all that time, which is crazy, from 1975 to 2010. Yep. Well, I will say, too, it seems like from, you know, when looking into this, that 
there just was nothing like there you know they had the the witnesses you know talking about this man at the mall they had lloyd giving the false abduction statement so they don't even know i mean recorder man was creepy as anything but they don't know if he was just a creep or if he really abducted them because nobody saw them at least nobody who was legitimate saw them you know being abducted didn't see a car you know just like nothing and there was no evidence of them anywhere so it's it was really crazy and understandable why nothing really happened in those years because there was just nothing it's like they vanished the the one thing I will say sometimes in cases like this one I don't think it would apply because we have two girls here but other situations where it's one person that's gone missing and no witness saw them being like taken with somebody else or anything like that I always wonder about them like falling and getting injured and getting stuck behind a wall, like a, a machinery, like machinery or a wall or something like that. And nobody hearing them. Ugh. And like, you know, years later, they do construction and sadly find their bodies. Because how often does that happen? I've, I've heard of more cases than you would think. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. There was a sad one of this boy who worked at a gross, like a family grocery store and fell behind like the freezer oh or, or, like the, or something like that. Don't walk behind the freezer. And because of the noise of the machine and everything, no one heard him screaming or Jesus, whatever. Mary like, and Joseph. yeah, and it's just like crazy stuff like that. You do have to wonder: is there some random hole in the ground or somewhere that they fell in and just haven't been found? But obviously, and especially you know, with having two girls, that would be pretty hard for that to be the case here. So this new team of investigators in 2012 actually found good old Lloyd's statement that he had given all the way back in 1975. Now, I'll say, too, this always, like, is crazy to me when they have something that, spoiler alert, this is going to be an important piece of, of information here, and they've had it all along. Like, it's not even something totally new. Some new person came out of nowhere. Like they had this within a week of these girls going missing. That must be so infuriating, yeah. especially when you're the new investigator and you're yeah. just like, why didn't these other investigators see this before? Like it's clear as day. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's crazy to me when stuff like that happens. But the officer who found this statement said he really didn't know. He was really baffled that he hadn't seen this before because he had just like poured over the case files multiple times and had just never come across this statement. But when he read through it, one line in the statement really caught his eye. And this was the description of the businessman having a pronounced limp, as we mentioned. And guess who has a limp as well? <laughs> this this case takes a lot of twists and turns, and there's like eight interrogations, and it it, it really is crazy how the story kind of goes. Wow, you don't see it coming. After this, officers obviously were like, "Oh, we got to talk to the friend of Mister Molestin Limp over here. We got to talk to Lloyd Limp Biscuit over here." Uh, yeah, in 2012, Lloyd. Oh, shocker was serving a 33-year sentence in our neighbor, uh, Delaware, for child molestation. Casual. Fantastic. You'd be shocked, I'm sure. That yeah. <laughs> Good old Lloyd? Lloyd? No. A shocker. We've just got a town full of Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, what's with like the fact that Maryland's crawling with child molesters? Yeah. Wheaton God. is not, a, not the place to be. Have you heard, meanwhile, this is a total non sequitur, but have you heard this new thing, MAPS? 
no. minor attractive person. Oh, I've heard about that, that stuff before. That is the dumbest shit yeah, I've ever heard. I've heard about that stuff before. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Who are we trying to be sensitive to? Right. The molesters? Right. The no, I, I'm sorry. This is one place where shame is necessary. Necessary. Yeah. Like, what? I'm sorry. But yeah. Like, what the heck? Mm-mm. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Wow. Like, who are we trying to protect here? That's insane. That's insane. Also, Who's the person wanting to come out and be like, we demand you call us? The Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Who's that guy? (laughs) Or gal. I mean, probably a guy, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, who is out here crusading for the rights of pedophiles? I don't know. Yeah, that's not a good look. It's a hard battle to fight. Uh So good luck to them, I guess. Yeah, I'll put you off this map. (laughs) (laughs) Give you a map to... Hell. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing, too, that the officers kind of got in and, and spoke with him because he was actually going to be up for parole in just a couple years. Ugh, keep him in there. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting a 33-year sentence, sadly, this stuff isn't always prosecuted like it should uh, for child molestation. So I have to imagine that what he did was pretty bad to get that amount of time. So he also had a criminal record that included, you know, different offenses against children. So... That sentence was probably not his first time. But going back to Lloyd in 1975, he was actually a teenager at the time of the abduction. So it turns out he was more on the teenage end of things than on the 20s end of things. Yep, exactly. But, you know, adult, teen, all the same back in the 70s. Boy, (laughs) man, who knows? Who cares? (laughs) The police actually wondered if Lloyd could have been working for or working with Molesky. You know, they wondered if possibly he was used as a lure to help in the abduction because he was a younger child. It'd be less threatening and less obvious, a teenager with girls who, I mean, weren't that much younger than him. And this tactic, actually, it's really creepy to think about. Um, This kind of tactic was used by a lot of big name murderers as well. So John Wayne Gacy and then Dean Coral, who was down in Texas, who killed, they both killed like over 20 boys. And they had, they they each had like posses of teen boys, like one or two, that they would use kind of as their, their lore to, they'd recruit them. And then those boys would be the ones essentially to bring them some of their victims. God, so here's a question. Mm-hmm. How the heck did somebody like John Wayne Gacy lure in these recruits like who gets recruited as a murder lure to bring in these young teen boys so john wayne gacy had a construction company and would like hire exclusively almost teenage boys young men and you know i think more so with dean coral even than john wayne gacy I think there could have been some kind of like money involved in the situation. And then just finding the right individual. A lot of Gacy's victims were boys that were like runaways and stuff like that. And I would assume that the boys that he used to kind of lure in these other boys had similar backgrounds. And, you know, they were kind of looking at him as a father figure. He was treating them well. And, you know, they weren't necessarily there when... The boys were murdered, so they're kind of, you know, it's easy for them to kind of just be like, well, I don't know what happened to him. He maybe, you know, just left or, you know, whatever. They can kind of easy deniability and they can convince themselves. But Dean Coral, especially his, the two guys that he used are, 
are more well known um, and they came from broken backgrounds and you know it was like money and stuff like that and actually one of the boys ended up being the one to kill Dean Coral in the end to save his own life and the life of one of his friends I've looked into some of this stuff before and it seems like this was something like a tactic that was used by not just these two men but a lot of others and it's just so creepy like it's just yeah it's and it's crazy that nobody caught on like right like you have a young murder posse of teenage boys surrounding an older man and like how does nobody think about this i guess no one cared about these guys well yeah that's that's the sad part is i guess they were so disenfranchised or like a lot of them were like traveling like going to chicago to like start anew or like their family just lost touch with them so you know, they assumed like, oh, they just kind of started over and disconnected and didn't really have anybody out there looking for them. So sad. But you would still think like, I'm your neighbor. Like, there's, Where'd you go? There's creepy Gacy with like his posse of five boys per usual. Prowling the streets. And then I'm seeing, a, although I guess like back then it was probably just like, oh, he runs a construction company and has all these boys working for him so yeah of course there's gonna be boys in and out of his house right all at any given time or in and not out i guess yeah and the creepy thing with dean is he was a candy man ew he worked in a candy factory his mom's candy factory oh that's haunting so yeah he was you know oh handing out the reject candy to the kids by school never take candy from strangers no come in my unmarked white van and you can have all the candy you want yeah like. So on October 16th, 2013, police finally met with Lloyd for his first interrogation. And he continues to provide details in these interviews. And, you know, he says that he saw the guy putting the girls into the back of his car and something didn't look right. The girls looked scared. One was apparently crying. And at some point during this interview, he was shown a picture of Chester the Molester. Our buddy. And he identified him as Ray Molesky. And that he was, he said that he was the guy who took the girls. And he said, Ray put the girls into the back of a black Plymouth. So now we've got car number two. Now we have another car. Yeah, which, what happened to the Camaro? Which was red, by the way. But he said he saw that they were abducted near a liquor store. So he's saying, he's removing himself totally from the mall, too. He's saying, like, no, mall? No, no. This was, like, outside a liquor store that I saw this all happening. Well, yeah, and that clearly, like, fucks up the whole story and makes him a very unreliable narrator. Yeah. Not to mention it's been how many years at this point? It's been... 40 years since I gave my last story because it was 75. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. 38. So it's it was 38 years between nine months. I guess they've (laughs) been nine months. I'm sure that they thought, hey, whatever, we'll give this guy a break. He's almost 40 years out from the incident. But that's not great that he is totally removing himself from the mall. Yeah, it's it's mm, questionable. And we already know that like. He has a history of lying because actually it's kind of ironic, but the, so the Lyon sisters, their last name is spelled L-Y-O-N. And on his statement from 1975, I guess the officer who had taken the statement put at the top lied, but spelled it L-Y-E-D. Now that's funny. 
Yeah, but so, you know, he's been branded a liar from the get-go. This is sort of like one of those picture games where they have the two versions of the same picture and yes. you have to spot the difference. That's a great way to put it, yeah. Right? Because let's spot some of the differences between the 1975 statement and the 2013 statement, shall we? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, back then... Lloyd said that he saw the girls abducted in the mall parking lot. Now he's talking about a liquor store. Okay. Right. Second, Lloyd didn't actually know that the cops had his old statement to go on. So he's operating on a much calmer wavelength, I'm sure, and not trying to stick to the same. Oh, you know. yeah. He he thinks, you know, I'll just tell him whatever I want to tell him now. Like, I wonder if he even remembers that he gave that state. Well, he probably does. But, like, I doubt he remembers what he even said back then. Right? Well, and just to put on top of that, the composite of the younger male at the mall, a.k.a. Lloyd, mm-hmm. was never released. And police pulled Lloyd's mugshot from back in 1977 for other crimes because he's just – these people are constantly uh, getting yeah. arrested. Like, yep. And it looked just like the unreleased composite. So that Uh-oh. is really not great. Nope. The officer at this point in time leaves the room, and Lloyd probably didn't realize that they were recording. But now get ready for this dumbass. Yeah. Then says to himself in a frustrated tone, man, they – got me yeah, they got me like, like who does that what is this like a cheese ball movie well, like i never get that that people let that talk to themselves like that like yeah, out loud out loud like just they got me i get having an internal dialogue but yeah geez. well that's like the the jinx where he forgot that he didn't realize that they still had the microphone on him and he whispers under his breath, like, killed them all. I killed them all. Which, or like something like that. How can you not contain yourself enough to just not say your full confession? Yes. So stupid. But then, of course, the officer comes back in the room. Lloyd starts blabbing on about details of the Molesky guy. And suddenly he says, wait a minute. I was at the mall that day with my girlfriend and I did see Molesky with a recording device. Oh. Then he also says he saw Molesky putting the girls in the car in the mall parking lot. So we're back at least to the correct location. And at the end of the interview with the officers, the police ask Lloyd to hypothesize what Molesky could have done with the girls. Just if he were to do something, like what do you think happened to them? Yeah, what do you you think went, (laughs) went wrong? Lloyd throws out that Molesky must have raped and murdered them and maybe burned them. Oh, okay. Like, why would you even add the whole burn them thing? It's so specific. Unless you raped, killed, and then burned them. Well, it's like the people where you bring them, they bring them in and say, did you kill so-and-so? And And they'll be like, I didn't stab them. Right. And then it's like, I never told you they were stabbed. Never said that, but thanks for the information. Right. He's stringing them along with these lies and changing stories, but he's also like burying himself more and more as these interrogations go on. So just to give you a heads up, I I mentioned it before, but there are going to be a lot of interrogations where this story kind of unfolds. So this we're moving on now to interrogation number two. And I have to say it's it's quite a game that these officers had to play with him over years and over multiple interrogations, just kind of drawing this stuff out of him and using different tactics to try to trip him up and play his game and it's pretty remarkable how they get to what they get to in the end, not to spoil it. But his second interrogation on February 10th, 2014, 
he agreed to take another polygraph. And just like the first time, he passed. Um, <laughs> nope, he failed. <laughs> In case you didn't get it. And the detectives confront him with this test that he failed. But he was, you know, still adamant that Molesky was the one who took the girls. But now, you know, he gives a little bit more details and he admitted that he actually did know Molesky and said that he used to get high with them. Great. Yeah. Like, okay. He's my buddy. Yeah. I, I know Recorder Man. I was going to molest some girls, but then I got high. <laughs> right. Went down to the mall to record some kids, but then, then I, I got, got high. high. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to change my voicemail greeting, but then I got <laughs> high. I made a voicemail greeting, and it started with high. Not only does he know him. Uh, they're Lloyd, buddies. They're buddies, and Lloyd really digs himself in now. He says, oh, actually, wasn't only getting high with him. I actually saw the girls at his house. Too. What a dumbass. Yeah. He says that Molesky kept the girls in the basement and that they were locked in this back room of the basement. It had like a padlock on it. And this basement was your typical kind of creepy, unfinished basement that was kind of a crash place, you know, like a sofa down there and people would just go hang out and whatnot down there. Lloyd said he was just innocently, you know, going into the basement. And I, I will say the, the way the basement is described, too, because this kind of helps with his storytelling. Uh, it's one of those basements that you access from the outside. Like you walk down oh, some yeah. stairs and there's a door. So he said he's just strolling along, going to his buddy Molesky's house. and To get high in the basement. Yeah, you know, as you do. Or maybe he just wanted to record a voice message. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You know, he, he kind of gets to the door and he hears a scream and he looks in, peering in. And who does he see but Molesky and two other men raping the girls? Which casual that you right. just forgot about all this until oh, now. Yeah, sorry. All right, fine. You got me. I'll and tell you. You got me. And why don't I say that into the lie detector test so I can right. pass it again? <laughs> right. I fail it for the third time exactly. in a row. Also, how does this guy not realize, like, he witnessed a rape and torture yeah. and let it go and thinks that, like, oh, I'm just going to tell the cops what I saw. Like, la-di-da. And also, I'm serving 33 years for child right. molestation, so nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah, I'm good. Like, whatever. Yeah. I, also, how did the other criminals not tear this guy to pieces? He's I such know. a freak. I, yeah, he's got to be in some type of, like, protective custody or something in there because... Yeah, he's he's a creep. But he also said that he saw them being abused and drugged. So he clearly witnessed something. At least that's what he's saying right now is he's a witness. Hint, hint. Yeah, so, you know, the detectives are feeling pretty good at this point that they're getting somewhere at least. And, you know, now he's placing the girls outside of the mall. You know, oh, this is their potential abductor. Second you know. location. Right, exactly. But unfortunately, that's where we're going to end for this episode. So. Cliffhanger. Basement hanger. We'll have to leave it on that cliffhanger for this week. But we've got just as much left in part two to discover. And let's just say this story is going to go all kinds of different directions. And you're going to be shocked at where it ends up. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 